told the prophet, go put on some underwear. Don't clean it. He said, wear it. Now go put it in the ground. He said a long time went past. The prophet had to do something that you would call goofy and out of order. But God was, it's, it's, there's something about this planet where before God can do it spiritually, someone has to do it physically. Think about it. When it came to Abraham, God had to find a man who would be willing to kill his only son before he could kill his only son. See what I mean? And that's why there was a ram in that bush right before he did it. It was like it was just symbolic. I need the symbolism to be in planet Earth first before I do the real thing. Okay? And by and large, the body of Christ does have not does not have any wisdom in that whatsoever. So there's a book that I'm going to encourage you to purchase if you have not read this book. It'll speed you up in regards to March 4th. The Harbinger Part 2 by Jonathan Kahn. Jonathan Kahn is a messianic Jewish rabbi. That brother is the truth. Certain men. Let me say something. You know, I'm always doing several messages in one message. There are many giftings in the body of Christ. You need to be jealous of none of them. God cannot put in a dictionary and a movie how awesome he is. So what he does is he displays a part of himself in different individuals. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. So you might have somebody that they have the gift of prophecy. Then you have somebody that they have the gift of wisdom. Somebody else, they're really, really good when it comes to technology. Somebody else, it seems like they can get anybody healed, even when they're sick. You know what I mean? Somebody else, no matter how bad you feel. The Bible talks about the gift of exhortation. How No matter how bad you feel, when this person walks in the room, they can, boom. There's some people, they have a special anointing to be able to tell what type of demon someone has. I worked with a young security guy. The boy was probably 21, 22. And he had this discernment where if you were a Christian and you weren't living right, you smelled a particular way. He did not have to know your past. He did not have to know your name. He would walk past you and how you smelled determined how you lived. And you see that in the superhero movies and the X-Men and DC Comics and I'm a Marvel person. You know. But but all of these giftings, you know, I was joking about how when you look at Kim and her mom and how they can just dress so well, you know. And I mean, they just... You know, you look at Kim Mama, she looks like she just come from another kingdom or something. Yeah, you know, it could have been anywhere, you know. It's, and you have people, you have people like I mentioned before. It just seems like when it comes to working out and being in shape, they don't have any hesitation with it. Us, we struggle, we cry, you lose 15 pounds and then gain 30, you know. But it seems like there's this one man and woman in our midst. They just always got it together. Yeah, somebody that they can write books. Somebody that's really good at singing, and you wish you could sing. And she's like, why is that? You know, and that is it's because God has to put a part of himself in each one of us to show us who he is. I can't put it all in one individual. Now, here's the thing. Whatever you're jealous of that someone else has, something the Holy Ghost told me, when you get to heaven, you will have it all. See? And so, but, but in this frail dimension, in this dimension called time, where God has created supernatural band-aids until the perfect day he's always trying to teach us and you know there was a group of men in the old testament and they all came together when i believe david was made king and it said all of these men when david was made king it talked about this group and it said they came i love that stuff and it said they came and they said they had thirty thousand men that were masters at the spear I'm like, yeah, I need some of that Mel Gibson money that he used for Passion of the Christ so we can make something like that, man. 
okay and so it talked about this group it said there was this group this this guy came and says that they had five they had five thousand people and they were masters at swords talked about another group and it says this group the entire army was left-handed and it said that they could swing a stone and hit a hair i mean this is crazy but it was one group that was the smallest they didn't fight it was the only group that didn't fight it says this group it was the smallest and it says this group was small but they had wisdom to know the times and seasons what israel should do and we find ourselves back in that camp again yeah, we have a lot of Christians that know how to pray. We have some that can speak the word. We have very few that know what time it is in order to instruct the entire body what to do. So that March 4th message is me instructing the entire body of Christ. This is what you need to do because there are three scenarios that are possibilities in the next two years. Let me remind you, nobody thought 9-11 would happen. I'm sure that Japanese Christians thought that it was the end of the world when the United States dropped that bomb on them. You have wars right now between Russia and, and Ukraine, and we're not even talking about the, the factions in India and Africa and in the Middle East. I mean, just all of this stuff. But right in the middle of this, God has given us cues to let us know what time it is. Y'all want to know one? Any of y'all hear about this gold statue that they put up on top of that ceiling in New York? And it was so scary that even the sinners asked them to take it down. All of the other statues were like a dark grayish. But this statue, it was just solid gold sitting right up there with the rest of them. And like, why would somebody put that up there? Because it was another version of the loincloth. Chadwick Boswick, Chad Boswick played Plant Bathroom when he died. That was a sign. The dude we called the Black Mamba, 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 Black Mamba. The Black Mamba with sports when he passed. That was another sign. I mean, it's and so you have to read the book because Jonathan Khan, he has that gifting that the Lord has given him to show him that we are following a biblical timeline. The Bible says that which has been is what will always be so that you'll never be able to say there is nothing new under the sun. Let me say this and I close and then we're going to come up and do this message so y'all can get your relationships together. Because guess what? There are times coming where you need to get your relationships together so that you can be free to war. The whole thing, you all, was created based on the principles of proper relationships. God did not create Adam to fight. He created Adam for fellowship. Now, where was I going? What was the last thing I was going to say? Doo-doo-doo. It's going to come to me. I was talking about her. Oh, so. The United States of America. I mean, your history books say that Christopher Columbus founded it, but that's not even true because actually it was an Italian man that followed this. But that's all of the skewered history in regards to who founded it and all that type of stuff. Y'all go ahead and do with that. I ain't got time for all that foolishness. <laughs> okay. God is the one that founded this country. He uses flawed people to do it. Think about the scripture. How many flawed people that he used to do major things? Is anybody in the scripture that wasn't flawed? Noah got drunk after he saved his... <laughs> Just some of the stuff these guys did. David slept with Bathsheba. And, and I got to tell you all of the crazy people in the Bible, including Jesus' disciples. This nation, the United States, was founded to be 
a spiritual type of Israel. There is a reason why this country has led the way in protecting Israel more than any other country. Even presidents that did not want to do it were forced to do it. There was something on this country that was called. So, so the United States is a type of Israel. You have what you call types and shadows. Okay. And so because of that, you can read how things happen with Israel and then you can put the United States there and see how things happen. Boom. Okay. So that book that I told you all to get, what was that book about? The, the presidents of the United States. Eric, what was the book? It, it, it time, say it again. Paradigm. That's another, the paradigm. Make me use mental notes. The paradigm. That's another book that you need to get. Okay. I know some people, look, it's hard for you to tell which president you like and which president you don't like. One of the things is anybody that has read this book has never been able to argue with me that Donald Trump was not supposed to be president. I always remember this. When the people pick the person, God doesn't like him. When God picks the person, the people don't like him. They didn't like Moses. They didn't like Jesus. Get out of all of this stupid political racial stuff that you see that Jesus said would be in the last days. And the church is falling for the rope of dope. You got to read that book. And it's going to show you that Donald Trump President Obama, Bush, the Clintons, Pence, they are all following an exact biblical timeline. What they did and how they did it and what they said while they did it is right in the Bible. You can just change the names of the individuals. Here's the problem. There was a time, many times, where Israel was just straight up destroyed because of her sin and her wickedness. So I'm going to Never mind. So I'll stop there. There are certain things that we have to stop. I'm amazed. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I'm amazed at how much God will change his mind. Did he not say that Nineveh was supposed to be destroyed? But because they repented, the man made all of the animals fast, too. That's just a hilarious story. He said, nobody is drinking nothing. Cows can't move. Nobody. And God said, you see how that man switched? I've changed my mind. You know? Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Abraham would have changed God's mind if he had whittled that number down to one, but he stopped at ten. You remember uh, Moses? God showed up. It's funny what he said. Moses, I don't even want to hear it because he knew what Moses was going to say. I don't want to hear it. I'm getting ready to destroy all of these people and start another nation with you. Moses put God in check and said, God repented. It's very interesting. Remember what God told Hezekiah? Put your house in order. You're getting ready to die. Da, Hezekiah turned to the wall and put God in check. How dare you cancel my life early when I've lived for you? And then God said, you're right. I'm sorry. I've changed my mind. So it's amazing. Now, last one. You remember David after he slept with Bathsheba and had her husband killed? Now, God forgave him, but because of the law of seed time and harvest, he had to pay a price. And, you know, he lost his firstborn son. And during that period of time, it says David laid on the ground and fasted and prayed, fasted. And then when the servants came and said that your son is now dead, they said David just got up, washed himself and said it blew the servants away. They said, why did you just flip like that? And David said, well, it's done. He said, the reason I was fasting and praying is even though God said that, I was saying to myself, perhaps he might change his mind if he sees how sorry I am. Because he knew that God had changed his mind with other individuals. You understand what I'm saying? And so, but God didn't change his mind in that regards. That's why he said perhaps. 
My message on March the 4th is a perhaps message. Based on what is getting ready to come, perhaps if we can get a group of people to band together with one voice, perhaps it could be slowed down. Perhaps it can be, I hate to say this, I don't know how to say this correctly, because it's going to come, it's inevitable. Oh, trust me, because the scripture says that the United States has to be destroyed. People are like, how dare you say something like that? How many of you heard me teach that before? And, and when I taught it, you were like, yeah, that's the United States. I mean, you know, I can say some crazy stuff, but I will prove it to you. It's coming to time. Now, we're not supposed to be here, hopefully. But you all, the United States was called to do a special work, but she is no more special than Ukraine, Russia, Arab nations, Indian nations. God is not a respecter of persons. If you break laws, you got to pay the penalty. And any time a teacher gets fired at a, at, a, at, a, at a school in the United States, they fired a teacher this week because she's told the faculty, no, I am not going to lie to the parents since you have now changed the identity of the child without telling the parent. That's the type of nation that, how many of y'all know 30 years ago, you didn't even know this stuff existed. This never even crossed your mind. You know what I mean? If you came home, let me tell you something. Back when I grew up, if I had to come home wearing a dress, there'd be another man up here preaching. You know why? Because I would be dead. <laughs> what? I mean, there's a guy, let me get this right. It's a male teacher that had breast implants the size of watermelons. Never mind. See, that's crazy. You can't even explain it anymore. I saw this black dude. He was on social media. He walking like a model. And, you know, his hair is short like mine. He has a full beard with makeup on and lipstick, wearing a dress and heels. It's, you know, I don't know if people get upset at this, but if you're going to be a sinner, be a regular sinner, not a crazy sinner. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. I'm getting... So, there are a lot of things that are going on right in front of our very eyes. That book, The Harbinger Part 2, will let you know where we are. And how now, you don't need to get Harbinger Part 1. Harbinger Part 2 does a great job of giving you the past, bringing you up to speed. But statements that presidents made after 9-11, as they planted a particular type tree, you can go to the Bible and see the same thing happen to the children of Israel. And that same person made the exact same statement planting the same tree. So here's the problem. The, the, this is the Lord's mercy showing the United States. Now look, people. See what happened to Israel? I'm going to give you a timeline to show you that you're headed in the same direction. That's why the Bible says the Old Testament is written for our learning. You're supposed to learn from others and be better. You know what I mean? And so there's something coming because we're on the same racetrack as the other guys. So somewhere along the line, someone has to say something and say, okay, y'all, this is what's coming. We're doing, you can, you can literally see it on, and God has called uh, Jonathan Kahn to show us this stuff. I'm hoping that brother comes out with Harbinger Part 3 because I can't wait because I can see it. See, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure, but little stuff that gets on the news that is insignificant. We've been having balloons in the sky apparently for years. 
But all of a sudden now, this issue, those are signs. And watch this. The majority of the body of Christ has rejected tongues, has rejected the gifts of the spirit, has rejected visions and dreams, has rejected the demonology, has rejected the numbering system that you found in the Bible. So if they rejected all of that, how in the world would they have wisdom to see what's not in the Bible? You understand what I'm saying? So the Lord is raising up special, something special here. I don't know where it's going. I just know that it's going to be nameless and faceless. Y'all, we got to get people out here to do the work of the ministry. Whether it's on your job, whether you build your business and you pour money into the kingdom. Look, let me tell you something. The Lord is creating a lot of wealth in our community now. And that's fine. We know the people that give to line our church. But always be selective when you give to any church. You might be empowering something that God called a failure. You understand? Whew. As the young folks say, it's crazy out here in these streets. So that's what I'm doing on March the 4th. You need to pay attention and be aware. There will be things you will see and the Holy Ghost will say, you just saw something, but you don't know what it is. That gold statue, I don't know what it means, but I know it means something. And part of that, because Jonathan Kahn, with all of those other things that he brought, that was some scary stuff, wasn't it? You need to get that book. It's a phenomenal read. And 9-11 was the start. You know, you, 9-11, yeah, we, we blaming everything on all the sea. It's funny. Men that are not connected to God, you'll blame stuff on a man. When actually you should be blaming it on God. There is something you all called invisible force fields. Job proved that. Satan said we can't get to him, his family, or his property because you got this wall of light up. Okay? The United States started out as a Christian nation. And because that was that's what our values were. Of course, we had heathens from the church house to the White House. But it was it was agreed upon that even the sinners recognized, yes, this is a godly nation. We're gonna respect and fear God. Force field. So that's something that the Lord revealed to Jonathan Khan. He put in his book. He said 9-11 happened because of that invisible force field had come down. Now it's coming down further and further and further. And what did Jesus say? He said, when I come back, he said, I'll come back right in the midst of business as usual. He said, it'll be a surprise. I mean, no, it's not going to surprise us. <laughs> you need to go outside every morning. The clouds are looking a little funny today. But guess what? The same way that 9-11 happened on a perfect day. The cool thing, you all, is God has us in this planet to affect things. If we had to pray every day for two hours for the next two years and only one soul got saved as a result of that, that's worth more than the entire universe. Because the Bible says all of heaven rejoices over one. Okay. I am very grateful. Be very grateful. The Lord has opened up some things to us that are quite scary. And I understand now why the enemy attacks some of the weak people amongst us. Because trust me, I guess I should let you sit down, right? Let me just say this quick prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, right, for this, this time of sharing and intimacy. I call it the spiritual fireplace. 
thank you, O Lord, for the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us into all truth. Make this family the greatest family that this world has ever seen. The young, the old, the male, female. All of our different cultures and all of our different upbringings all mesh together. Because soon, how we were brought up and what we were called will no longer exist. So we walk in that now, O Lord God, to create something and to stand for something and to warfare for something that will never end. Thank you, Lord God, for doing these things. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Give somebody a hug. Give someone a high five. Tell them you're glad to see them this morning. And you may be seated. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I love those moments like that. That's going to be some of the normal moments moving forward. <clears throat> Let me say something right quick before my wife and I get started. You know, um, I put this more in a kind of graphic bullet point form so we won't hold you as like we did last time. And um, I want to, uh, you know, we have moved over into social media now. Some of you all have seen what we're doing. Um, <clears throat> I'm not really going to be talking to people about it because I have locked people out on purpose. Because there's a time and seasons for things. Some people, you know, when you don't move as fast as some people think you should move, they try to put you in the, into the failure bracket. It's not going to go anywhere. No. When you are called to do something very powerful as an individual or as a group, you have to go through seasons of waiting so that certain things can be worked out of you and you can learn and observe certain things. And so so with the social media, we might be doing some things to kind of confuse you. You might see the same video on Monday and then the same video on Friday. And that looks strange. Just go ahead and share it again because it is a different video. It'll look like it's the same video, but it's a different video. So God in his uh, great mercy and timeline has given us great insight into some things that we cannot share. Imagine, remember what I told you, that algorithms cannot beat the Holy Spirit. That is literally what has happened. Okay. And so, so we started, we haven't pulled triggers like we are going to, but the small triggers that we pulled, to give you an example, on TikTok, we had a hundred and, um, we had 184 followers on Monday. Now we have 10,000 in one week. Five days. I'm sorry. It's not even a week. So we went to, we pulled it, started pulling these triggers and we went, can you imagine that? It's a scary thing to look at this little number count. And every time you check it, the thing has jumped up another 500 people, jumped up another 500 people. Where's my phone at? Oh, yeah. Somebody grab me my phone right quick. Thank you. And so, uh, so, um, I don't think I think it's OK. So I did not know that the top men on social media are Christian, crazy Christian evangelists that actually grew up in some of my circles. And and so, I mean, these guys. And so I told you that the number one guy on TikTok is a Christian evangelist and they took his account away. We're not going to let you just make millions of people follow you and you tell them about Jesus all day. It's very scary because of the type of things that have happened already just from what we have put up. People have repented, given their lives to Christ. People have axed themselves from people that they were dating. 
people have changed the name even of their account because it was attached to the occult. One lady, well, a few ladies, one lady, a few people, we on TikTok, we put up something and then they, they look at that one and then they go look at all of them. And so and so we have the ability through uh, um, what we can do is you can you can put all of the comments and it's on it's quite alarming, especially when the type of information that we have, I can we can pull the trigger. Uh, one guy, he pulled the trigger. Six hundred thousand people followed him in one day. Imagine going from zero to six hundred thousand in one day. So it's quite scary. And so this is the reason why you, you, you think things are moving slow. No, the Lord is like, no, we got to make sure you're right before I launch you to the world. So we have people that are following us, asking us questions. I haven't even put up one video in regards to, I don't think, I think we created it where, imagine this. I'm going to go ahead and try it. But imagine putting up a video where you say, these are the four things that happen when you pray in tongues. Then at the bottom you say, now they've never heard that before. And it's not religious. It's mind-blowing. Okay, It topples witchcraft. And then at the bottom you say, send us an email if you'd like to receive that gift. Now, 10,000 people join you in five days on that platform. We're not even talking about YouTube and we're not talking about Instagram. Now, you send a message out there like that. So it's this is what I mean by I have to go. We it's that's why I, uh, trust me I'm not a lazy man. My wife will tell you that. It's just that it's a lot when you have the ability to touch five million people in a month. You gotta wait for a second, and you gotta go into the future with your imagination and ask the Holy Spirit how to backtrack because you can put one statement out there like this guy did and six hundred and it was a salvation video. I think it was 663,000 people joined him in one day. What happened the rest of the week? See, so so the Lord, always remember this. When you're a loser, uh, the winner lets you go first. When you know you can knock somebody out, what do you do? Hit me. You remember when you watched Rocky Balboa and he was in that zone? <laughs> he kept, never mind, let me just, y'all get my point. So, so just be praying for us to have wisdom because we're getting ready now. Pull the second trigger. <laughs> I told you, I told you we were going somewhere, didn't I? Some people didn't believe me. Doesn't matter. Y'all ready? Are you ready? Are you sure? All right. So let me say this. We're getting ready to do this. It's a little bit more on point this time. I think we're going to talk about the five things a man should have before you marry him. Now. One of the biggest things that is messing people up in their walk with Christ is their relationships. Sometimes their parents, relatives, definitely who you're dating, who you marry. And these things, if they're not done right um, or if they go wrong, they, they, they kind of throw you off. You're not able to focus on the things of God because you're connected to someone that's driving you crazy. And so this is a message to save people. That are have not made decisions in regards to relationships an attempt to save people who have so they can change their ways. And it's also going to show you as a husband and as a wife, the area that you may need to come up in um, in order to be a better person. Y'all got me. It's OK if you've messed it up. 
<laughs> okay, it's never too late to be right. Just remember that. So these are very important because these things that we're teaching, we're doing the men, five things a man should have before you marry him. And next weekend, we're doing the five things. No, it's four things. The four things that you should have before you consider marrying a woman. Okay. Man and woman that were born that way. Man and woman that were born that way. You know, it's so interesting. What is that girl's name? I, I, I promise I'm getting ready to preach now. <laughs> Tiffany. Cool. Tiffany. Tiffany. Yeah. So, girl, she operates in the prophetic. She's a prophet, Tiffany Montgomery. So she came out and see, this is the type of crazy thing. She came out and she told people, um, you should not be going to Beyonce concert as a Christian. You should not be doing that. The girl represents the devil. I don't care how much she shakes her rear end on TV. I don't care how cool the song's in. The girl lets you know that there's something on the inside of her. And Rick Joyner said when he was in a vision, the Lord told him, in the day that you live in, they will be singers who will be possessed with power to baptize the masses into perversion. So she told them, you shouldn't be listening to her. You shouldn't be following her. Guess what the Christian said? The beehive is getting ready to come for you. In case y'all didn't know that, those are the beehive is considered the followers of Beyonce. So I'm going to make this public statement. I wish the beehive would come and try to attack this lion. Supposed to be scared of a beehive. And guess what Tiffany said? She said, you do realize that that bees die after they sting you. So you might want to be careful beehive who you attack. You might want to consider those fake men of God, not real ones. You attack real ones, you would come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. That's the culture that we're living in. That if you're trying to help people not go to hell, and the Christians attack you, not the unbelievers. One, one Christian went to that concert. She said, when that woman walked past me and that force walked past me also, she said, that's the last time I ever go to any of them concerts. The woman told you she got a demon on the inside of her that changes her personality. I don't care. I just want to go to the concert and dance. Be my guest. Just tell Jesus that when he wanted to get you, let you get into heaven. I'm telling you about the dreams that I had. And one of the dreams was that particular couple, there was a, a spaceship that left planet Earth. It was the last spaceship before planet Earth was destroyed. They were given an opportunity to join it, and they rejected it. And you'd rather follow them than Jesus? Remember what you, let me tell you how... No, just, just stay here, please. The most she said, "Now, no." Let me tell you how cutthroat Jesus is. He said, "If you can't even reject your parents to follow me, you're not worth the kingdom." I didn't die for you to join a religious club upstairs. I died for you to join something that your mind can't even conceive. You gonna follow the ones that I created instead of following the Creator? And now this dumb stuff about, you know, the, the universe, we want to praise the universe. That's another level of dumb. That's not even demonic. That's just flat dumb. You're going to worship Pluto? Five things a man should have before you marry him. Any man who does not fit in some measure of these four things is dangerous. I did not say he was a bad person. He is dangerous because of what he does not know particularly about himself, let alone God. Y'all got that. So, number one thing that you need to know about this man 
is you have no business talking about having a relationship with a man that that does not know Jesus and is not God fearing. One of the things that frustrates me is ladies who come to church and they want to they're trying to force this heathen to give their life to Christ. They want me to talk to him and maybe I can give him a word that's going to somehow change his mind about the king of kings. And, and they get frustrated. It's like, well, can't you do something? No. Well, can't you pray? Absolutely not. You're connected to something you're not supposed to be connected to. The reason why you can't let him go is because you've been sleeping with him. Second Corinthians 614. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? What union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers. What is so hard to understand about that? And separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and that would include their filthy songs. And I will welcome you, and I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You got something you want to add? Oh, well, you just go ahead. I'll just interrupt a brother. I was just waiting. So it's really important as you are out here searching for your boo thing and searching for that right woman, that right man, that you do follow the word. It says to come out from among them. Do not team up with unbelievers. But when you're looking, that's not the first thing you're looking for. And it should be the first thing you're looking for. Is he saved? Not is he spiritual? Is he saved? Does he have fruit? Fruit is evidence in his life that he loves Christ and that he serves the Lord. That will keep you safe because if you don't, if you override that, if there are no boundaries with that's concerned, you will then end up getting involved with someone who's not good. He might be kind. He might be nice. He might have a great job. She might be good. She might be super fine with a big butt and long hair. I mean, whatever you like, long hair, short hair, whatever you like. She'll give you everything you like. But if she does not love God, she will not love you. Hmm. If she doesn't love God first, if her heart is not submitted to the father first, she will not love you the way you deserve to be loved. She will not treat you the way you deserve to be treated. And likewise for the men, so the women. So be careful that this is your first point. When I got saved, that was my first my first boundary. When after I got saved, when it came to meeting anybody else, is he saved? Does he belong to a local church? Does he have fruit evidence in his life? Does he serve anywhere in the ministry? Those are that was my criteria. My criteria wasn't does he speak in tongues, although later on I revised my criteria. When I first got saved, that was not my criteria. I just wanted to love God, just to love God and to have evidence in his life that he was serving him consistently. So value yourself enough to have someone who's like you because you cannot make a man love Jesus. You cannot make a woman love your Jesus. If they won't do it on their own from their own heart, you can't make them do it. And if they won't do it on their own, it means that they're blind. If they're blind to God, they're automatically blind to you. That's why I didn't just put that they're saved, but I also put God fearing. There are a lot of people that are saved that don't fear God. That's why they live the way that they do. I wish I could give you a testimony of something, but I can't just in case. I shouldn't even brought it up. Just in case you all don't understand what God fearing means, it means that you reverence him. 
that his word is the final authority in your life, not your feelings. His word. What does his word say about your finances, about sex outside of marriage, about sex inside of marriage, about relationships, about good character? What does the word say? And you go and you find out what God said about it and you adjust yourself, your mind, your will and emotions based on what the word says, not what you feel about it. And I have two professional graphics this morning so I don't get off track. First graphic says God fearing is not just believing in God. It means to have reverence and respect for who God is, knowing that he is watching all you do and you will one day be judged for it all. Another one says God fearing is to submit your will, way and opinions to the word of God. The word of God is the platform by which you make all decisions in life, regardless to the culture or environment around you. Y'all got that? Okay. I put in here that drug dealers follow a code. In sports, you follow a code. Policemen follow a code. Military, they follow a code. It's called the rules of engagement. You cannot fire unless fired upon. All of these individuals, they follow a code. So this next graphic says, so when a man calls himself a Christian but does not abide by the code that is in the word of God, you're getting ready to marry a very dangerous man. Remember that. And let me add something here. Uh, this greatly surprised someone that I was talking to recently because they were dating someone and, and the person that they were dating had, would, you know, cheated on them and slept with another woman. And I, you may have heard me say this and I told them they didn't cheat on you. They just fornicating. They didn't cheat on you. You're not married. You know, people don't like to hear that. Ooh, and I, I don't like, and then they get offended and all these. I'm so tired of people getting offended with, with, fine then, live for the devil. What you coming here for? For me to water down the truth, to appease your feelings? The Bible says God chastises you because he loves you. But few people get their little tired feelings hurt all the time. Well, you dismissing me ain't going to do nothing. My stuff is right and tight, and I'm going hard every day. So when I tell people, you're sleeping with a man you're not married to, that's called fornication. So when he goes sleeps with another man, he's just continuing his parade of fornication. I'm sorry, I can be a little demonstrative sometimes. But y'all get the point, don't you? You did not marry him, therefore he is not cheating. You don't like that. Never mind. Let me add something here. For men, they are attracted to what they see on the outside. And it takes a minute to know, okay, is this this woman a woman of character? Is she godly? It takes a minute just to talk to her, check her out, listen to her. Likewise for men. But sometimes women can, they're okay with the outside. Like They want him to be fine. But if he's not fine, that's okay. Is he really nice? Does he have nice words? Does he talk to me nice and treat me well? And they'll settle for that. He doesn't have to be super fine, okay? The problem with that, though, is that when you introduce sex, or, or you allow yourself to become entangled emotionally, you give too much too soon. You give too much too soon. Then it's difficult to cut it off when it's really not going anywhere. It's really not going in the place it's supposed to go, meaning your relationship with God is not being strengthened by being with that person. In fact, you're being drawn away from the Lord by being with that person. That is a clear sign right there. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people who look good on the outside, but on the inside, they are a ball of mess. They're completely shattered in a million different pieces. And so you don't know that until you give yourself time to talk to them and get to know them and realize they are not ready to be in a relationship. They are broken. 
It doesn't mean they're not kind. It doesn't mean they're not good. It just might mean they're not good for you because of where they are in this season of their life. And it's so important that you do recognize that so that you don't fall into something and become attached to someone by way of marriage or premarital sex, a very, very strong soul tie to someone who is broken. That person needs healing. If they're not willing to go to Jesus, not you, you are not their counselor. You are not their healer. Jesus is. If they're not willing to seek out the help that you have identified that they need, then they're not ready to be in a covenant relationship with you because you're going to be hurt. Let me give this example before I lose it. Does not the Bible say that God says to his people, he said, I'm not short of hearing and my arm is not too short that I can't save you. He said, it's your sins that created a wall. Understand? Now, keep that in mind. So it's your sin that creates a wall. Now, you have another scripture where it says the Holy Spirit's role in your life, one of them, is to lead you and guide you into all truth. Y'all got that? So now, we're going to pretend like we're not married. We're not married. We start sleeping together. Then we start living together. So what happens is, is that we instantly created a wall of sin. So now the Holy Spirit can't get in and we can't get out. And so now, because that wall is there, you are now left to your own to determine if this person is your spouse. And that takes too long because you can't see their heart. Are y'all following me? Okay, hopefully I'm not losing you all. So now watch this. We date, we keep sin, we keep sex out the picture. So guess what? There is no wall of sin. And because we're doing it correctly and the role of the Holy Spirit is to lead you and guide you into all truth, he makes sure that you know very quickly if this person is your spouse because his job is to get you things quickly, not slowly. Y'all see that? So you can see how everybody is breaking this rule. So something when you date someone that's supposed to, if it's not the right person, it's supposed to be maybe two or three months. But because the Holy Spirit is now not involved in the process, it ends up being three to four years. You sleep with the guy, you live with the person or whatever. And so after now you come to the conclusion that mm, now after three years, I see what's in your heart. Versus if you keep it holy, the Holy Spirit will trigger what's in his heart so you can come to a decision very quickly. Y'all got that now. Uh, maybe I need to add something. Now, I recognize that a lot of us did not do it that way. And it was God's mercy and grace that kept you through and you end up still marrying the right person, all of that type of stuff. Okay, but, but the problem is you look at relationships that are out here now. Tore up from the floor up, as they say. Just keeps going from person to person, adding trauma and brokenness, emotional duress. It just list goes on and on. Then keep in mind, you come to a lot of marriages and a lot of marriages are not working out because none of us hardly knew this. You understand what I'm saying? This, y'all, this is about God protecting you. It's so amazing that we recognize when men tell us to obey certain laws is for the purpose of protection. It's too many people out here dying, taking selfies. You know why? Because they disregard the sign that said, don't go to the edge of the cliff. When we went to Mexico and stayed at that uh, that resort, they have one side where the waters are very calm and the other side where the waters are very troubled. And so guess what? Because the and I love we stay on the troubled side because I love to just lay there. When I go on vacation, don't call me because because your house is going to burn down to the ground. <laughs> I, I literally will lay there and listen to the ocean all day. Just listen. But this side of the ocean, they have signs that say, 
You see these ropes. Do not go past these ropes because the tide can draw you out and we will never find you. You always got this individual. I know what I'm doing. You don't tell me. I trained with Jack Cousteau, the man who went deep sea fishing. You don't, this is how people think. I'm telling you. And while we were at the hotel, two ladies got swept away. It wasn't there because they don't want you to swim. It was there because there's a danger area based on things that already exist. So it's not that we don't want you to get to the edge of the water and put in your little tippy toes and feel how cold it is. It's that we don't want to have you as another statistic of people who don't follow instructions at the beach. Now, what if the guy or woman you're dating is a believer? Because this scripture talks about not being unequally yoked, not being joined together with darkness, with light. What does fellowship have with light and darkness? It, it talks about that, but you can also be hooked up with a Christian that's not the right person. That's why talking, 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 and more talking is so important. Observing their behavior. Spending time with them so you can see how they respond in certain situations so you can determine, well, I don't, I, this, is not, this is not my tolerance right here. This is somebody else's. I, I can't deal with this. And that's the decision I made. I told you last week how I was dating a Christian. I was wearing an engagement ring. But I asked myself, the, I asked the Holy Spirit, and that's why it's so important to even consult the Holy Spirit, even when you're wearing an engagement ring. Should I go through with this? Mm -hmm. Without regard for the time and money that has been spent. Holy Spirit, if these things that I have requested for him to change don't change, then What? Do I still continue to believe you and trust you in this marriage? We weren't talking about adultery or anything, babe. We're talking about his character. His character and things that I could not deal with that I had asked him repeatedly. I needed to work on this, work on this, work on this. Oh, I'll change it after we get married. Then why can't you change it now? Because after we get married, now I'm locked in. I'm locked in. And that's what the Holy Spirit said. No, you have to stand there and believe me and trust the word. I said, well, I'm not marrying him then. And that was a very bold thing. I'm committed to marry somebody. We had gone to one premarital counseling session. I did not go to number two. I took off that ring, gave it back and walked away with him in shambles and tears. Mm. And I was not I was not arrogant when I did it. I didn't have a haughty, bad attitude. I just told him, I don't believe this is going to work. And I'm so sorry. I'm going to give you back this ring. I need to go my own way. And he tried his best, tried his best, tried his best. All the things he promised while we were dating, now he was doing. I asked for roses. You want to give me a plant? I don't like plants. I like roses. Well, you know, that's a waste of money. Roses die. Mm, okay, well, I don't like plants. So you want to give me something I don't, I don't like? That's something small, but it turns into something really, really big. It's a small thing, but it's, it speaks of bigger issues. When I say put your shoes away, put your drawers away, pick up after yourself. What about it ain't no big old deal. This is my house. I'm going to leave my drawers where I want to. I don't need to deal with that. It's a little thing that becomes a really, really big thing. I'm the man of this house. I'm the man of this house. I'm the man. I don't need that drama. So I walked away beforehand. Now, does it mean you will be drama free when you do marry the right person? No, it does not. Because marriage is work. It's work. It's work. <laughs> Y'all, let me, whether this is male or female, let me let you know how this works. You, you, one of the things that you have to understand, uh, you know what's so dangerous about dating an unbeliever? You're dating someone 
that the Holy Spirit has not partnered with, but is ignoring. Now watch this. When it, when it comes to dating a Christian, this is how it works. When you're dating someone, like we said, don't date if you're not ready to get married. That's an automatic recipe for disaster and emotional everything. So, so what happens is this. You're dating someone. While you're dating them, you should be saying. Now, there are two things. One, you have to determine if you like that individual. That's first. Yes, that's first. But then secondly, you say, okay, Holy Spirit, I like this individual, but do you like this individual for me? So if this is not the right individual, I need you to show that to me. Now, what won't, sometimes what won't happen is you have a dream or a vision in the middle of the night. What will happen is the Holy Spirit says, okay, let me show you how they are. You'll be at dinner. And what the Holy Spirit will do is he will create a particular scenario, scenario that lets you see their character. OK, so 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 watch this. So you're at dinner. He ordered a meal and they brought him the wrong food. And Holy Spirit says, watch this. Next thing you know, the police has been called because the man has gone off on the righteous. We know people that this happened to, by the way. Okay, the, 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 you understand? Now the police is called. The man is being arrested over some chicken. You might then want to say, yeah, if you act this way over some food, how are you going to act when I cook for you and you don't like it? So the Holy Spirit, and see, the Holy Spirit is not going to make the decision for you. He's just going to see. Exhibit A. Are you sure you want to be connected? Because let me tell you something. What? What my wife asked the Holy Spirit is very, very powerful. I think it really fits into everything. She asked the Holy Spirit, if I go ahead and marry this individual, will I have to trust you to change his heart? He said, yes. Next line was, I'm not marrying him then. So guess what? That was my next statement. There are a lot of people that they bypass the danger signs and they go on and marry the individual. Now you're mad at God because he won't change them and he hasn't changed them in 10 years. It's because he can't change them. But you got to remember something. Satan left heaven while he was there. And one out of three angels rolled with him. So do not think that just because someone is presented with the truth, do not even think that because someone has a visionary experience. I know men that have had visions of angels and visions of heaven and they still live for the devil. You understand what I'm saying? That is, that's very, very sad. But so y'all, the Holy Spirit has partnered with you to lead you and guide you into all truth and to show you the future. Those are his two main jobs, not to make you shout, not to make you pray, not to make you run, not to make you irk and jerk. All of the stuff that you see in church is stuff that you see at a football game. The Holy Spirit's job, according to Jesus, is three things, actually, to tell you what Jesus told him to tell you and to lead you and guide you into all truth and to show you the future. You limit him when you do it wrong. He can only do that if you do it right. You understand what I'm saying? Relationships is the most dangerous thing because you don't you don't know. There's there, this, uh, uh, I think it was a lady that told my wife one time. That the man that she married, she married the right one, but she had no idea that she would need something that was in him 10, 20 years later. But the Lord didn't just give her what she wanted. He gave her what she needed. 
and it didn't show up until 10 years later. Give her what she needed. You need the best chance possible in the beginning. You know, see, don't make you have to, this is why you, the Holy Spirit knows the future. So you need to ask him about this man or this woman. Um, are you cool with me moving forward in relationship with this individual? And the Holy Spirit will tell you no. But he loves God. No. He serves at church. No. He lives holy. No. He'll tell you no because he saw something in the future that he didn't like. That that also happened to me. There was a guy that approached me at church in my church. because I wanted somebody who went to my church at my church. He checked all the boxes. I mean, I went down the line, checked all the boxes. I went to the Lord even before even allowing him to say, hey, can we go out on a date? We talked on the phone a couple of times. I asked the Lord, should I proceed? Should I proceed? And he said, no, that was it. Now, you would think, well, shouldn't the Lord tell you beforehand? No, no. I had to ask the question, should I proceed? And he didn't give me a whole dissertation. He didn't give me a whole paragraph, a whole five page essay. He gave me one word. Now I can say, well, I know you said no, but I'm going to just go ahead anyway. And that's what we do sometimes, isn't it? I heard you. I know you. I know you said no, but I'm going to go ahead anyway because I think he's a good guy. He checks all my boxes. I mean, he's a musician at the church. He has an executive job. He had a full a full uh, spread in Ebony magazine. I'm going to go ahead anyway because he looks like the right one. <laughs> What's the problem, Mr. Turnbull? I think there's that guy that uh, <laughs> that's a real guy, by the way. And I appreciate that because he gave her his card one time after church and I was standing right there. So I didn't like that bringing up bad memories. I need to have her preach more so I can find out about all of her dastardly deeds. In the dastardly deeds. <laughs> I went I'm to the Holy playing. Ghost. I went to the Holy Ghost and but, so sometimes we don't ask the question because we don't want to know the answer. Yes. Woo. We won't ask the question because we don't want to know the answer. The Lord might tell me no. So if I don't ask him, then I can just go ahead and do my thing. You're like, man, that girl is so fine. Man, I would drink her bath water. I'm not going to ask the Lord if she the one. I'm not going to I know she the one. I know she the one because this can't nobody be this fine. She'd make a great mother and you don't know she's going to run up all your credit cards and drive you crazy. You don't know that about her. But if you ask the Lord like she's beautiful, I'm attracted to her. She looks like everything that I desire. But you know her heart. You know how she really is because I can't see everything about her. She shows me all the good stuff, all the good things about her. So if you ask, he will reveal. He will tell you the truth. And some of you, you really got to come out of condemnation because you weren't told this when you dated. That's right. I wasn't. I wasn't. My dad told me marriage is a fire. Don't get burned. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> you know what our grandfather told me? He said, when you first marry him at the altar, they look so good. You want to eat them up. He said, after 30 years of marriage, you wish you would have. This is what he told me. That was what we were given before getting married. He wasn't smiling, bro. He was serious. <laughs> so that's that's what we had. So guess what? If that's what we had and we made it, you got a whole lot more. You can make it. That's right. Amen. Amen. Oh, let's stop there. We're going into the abyss on this one. But y'all, and so you gotta let me tell you something. We can't explain everything. And you can't explain everything. There are some people, it seems like it starts out perfect, and then you go your separate ways. You get divorced. The woman goes rogue. The man goes rogue. There are people that they start out right and end up wrong. There are people that start out wrong and end up right. 
What we're saying is give yourself the best chance. I don't understand why people do some of the things that they do. I just don't. But you got to give yourself the best chance because no man marries a woman with the intent of destroying her life. And no woman marries a man with her life with the with in her mind, her life being destroyed. She has this great fantasy or this great, beautiful image of what she wants her life to be. So she never gets married to a man thinking he's going to destroy my life. And as he was speaking, I was thinking of a gentleman at last the, the past few days. This man was married to a friend of mine. They have five children. They went as far as serving in the ministry together many, many years. I mean, even pastoring a church. I don't know what happened with this guy or at what point the seed was probably already the, always there. The seed was always there, but it could not be seen externally. Something triggered in him and the, the man just went buck wild. He was out of the ministry, closed the church, started drinking, sleeping with strippers, left his family, fathered two children. Now, he already had five with her, fathered two children outside the ministry. I mean, he just went crazy. And so one morning she called me because he had driven his vehicle off a cliff. And it was I mean, way down. It was so far down. He had... It was just very difficult to get him, but he did get out. He did not die. He got out without a scratch. So I knew that the grace of God was on the man. I'm like, Lord, why are you protecting this man? What is in the future that's coming that you will protect this man even in spite of his sin? Long story short, though, she asked the Lord, can I leave him? Can I get out of this marriage? And she did. She divorced him and went on with her life. But in the beginning, I mean, you see, they look good together. They have five children. They're in ministry. They love God. What happened? Something on the inside of him went rogue. I mean, she was seemingly doing her part. We don't know all the details of what happens in marriages. And so there is no guarantee you can you can start off right, do the right thing. You kept yourself to God marriage and did the right thing up until year 15. And the person goes crazy. Man, this is this is getting deeper and deeper because, you know, some of y'all know who Kenneth Hagin is. He, he was explaining what we call the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit. Um, don't be concerned about breaking that sin. Because you have to hit five categories. You have to be saved. Um, you have to be mature in the word of God. You have to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. You have to be operating in one of the gifts of the Spirit. And you have to have a certain level of maturity. If you have all five of those things and then you walk away from Jesus, you have then blasphemed the Holy Spirit. You know, So you had this little movement where kids were getting on you know, television. I blasphemed the Holy Spirit. They were trying to prove that they were against God. No, you didn't. You're not even saved. So you didn't even hit category one. You was just a dummy, as Sanford and Son says. And so, but, 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 but the Lord showed him how the sin was committed. But he said there was a woman that hit all five categories and she walked away from Jesus. Said he didn't, all of that. All, and the Lord showed her, the, he said in a vision, he saw the inside of her heart like a, um, you know, an x-ray scan. And he noticed that in her heart was a little small black dot. He said that was the small root of bitterness that the scripture talks about. It says, be careful lest there be a small root of bitterness on the inside of you and many are defiled. So there was something that I was dealing with a few about a few months ago. And it just kept twirling around in my mind. I'm like, Lord, why do I keep dealing this? And why do I keep feeling this about this particular individual? And then I was sitting on the couch and the Holy Spirit, he gave me a vision of a little small root that was in my heart. He said, based on certain things that have happened to you, he said, this little small root of bitterness was planted by the enemy. He said, you got to pull that up or it's going to grow into a tree and you won't be recognizable in ministry in the future. 
So there are things that happen, you all, to individuals, and you just can't explain it. I mean, I mean, think about it, y'all. There's some of you that you were saved because somebody just got on your last nerve and said, you know what, you're getting ready to mess up. But there are some people that get that little small root of bitterness, and it's usually because of them. And, and they, they don't want to hear how to get it out, and then it grows and grows and grows and grows, and the next thing you know, they're out there, and as the old Utipo says, you follow up with them 10 years later, you can't because you don't know where their address is. So uh, uh, that's the pain of a spiritual father is a true one is that you're only trying to help people. But the people you're trying to help, they just get mad at you. I get emails and text all the time. I got one a couple of days ago. I'm just mad at you. You know, wonderful. So I can't nothing. I can't. What am I supposed to do? Lie to you and let Satan destroy you? No father wants his children to leave home. But guess what? If you can't follow instructions from the word, you got to go. It's on you, not on me. It's very, very sad, but that's just how it is. You are not allowed to obey God without dealing with trouble. Pastoring is the most difficult thing because we are called to coddle people. And it's very frustrating. The Bible calls Moses the pastor of the church in the wilderness. And then people frustrated him so bad because they just couldn't follow directions. They gossiped behind his back. They murmured, said he wasn't a good leader. You'd be surprised what I deal with. And you'd be surprised how much the Lord lets me know. So I can always be careful with certain individuals. I'm just letting you know. And so it's frustrating because you, know, you, tell, you, you try to tell your daughters and your sons, don't go down this path. Don't go down this path. Don't go down this path. They do it anyway. And then they come to you when they're hurt. So I told a young lady, don't live with the guy. Don't live with the guy. Mm. Don't sleep with the guy. Don't live with the guy. Don't sleep with the guy. And I'm telling her, no, 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 we're fine. We're fine. You know, we're going to just, you know, stay in two separate bedrooms. No, no you're not. No, you're not. No. no. I wouldn't. So she was convinced she said that. that she could live with the guy and they stay in two separate bedrooms and nothing would happen. And of course, she got pregnant. The relationship fell apart. And then she was a single mother without anything. I mean, she's now with the, with the child and, you know, came back broken, sorrowful, sad. What could I say? All I could do was listen to her. All I could do was listen. It's unfortunate. It's hard. And, and unfortunately, you know, it's funny because women are wired differently. Men with the men, they're like, OK, yeah, I just got to stop acting stupid. That's generally what the men will do. Every once in a while you get one to get a little offended, but he, you know, whatever. But but it's I'm, I'm, the wiring of a ladies. You all are emotional. And 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 what I cannot do is get caught up in the emotions of women that won't obey the Holy Ghost. And I spent all of my time trying to get you to do right. And now I can't lead this army into a glorious future. You understand what I'm saying? And that's just, just how it is. But Jesus, did. can you imagine how many people are in planet Earth are offended at Jesus? I was on a radio show with atheists, and he was offended because he said, Jesus didn't heal my mama. And so now you're a self-proclaimed atheist because he didn't heal your mother. Was your mother ready to go because you get on her last nerve? Was your mom ready to go because she had been dealing with the sickness too long? You're mad at God because he didn't answer your prayer. You will, bl it will blow your mind to know how many hospital rooms that we have been in over the years. And, <laughs> and then with the family member. And the mom or the dad is talking a real good game. Yes, I'm going to raise up off of this bed of sickness and disease. And, 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 and we in there praying in the hospital about to kick us out the room because Pentecostals have a, have a habit of being too loud in the first place. And, and all that. Whole family leaves. Has to. All right, you all, I'll talk to you. I need to talk to the pastor for a moment. That was a wonderful prayer. I ain't thinking about my family members. They didn't got on my nerves. 
for the last day. I am ready to go home and all of them are saved and they're going to cry at my funeral, but they're going to be okay. Come on. Okay, that was good. Let's speed this up. Number two, he submits to or is willing to submit to some type of earthly authority in his life. Many families are in disarray because the man operates in pride and made himself the God of the family. No matter how bad a relationship or a marriage is, if you have an earthly authority to submit to to get wisdom, there is still hope. Okay, so now men may not know this, but say, would you be willing to talk to my dad? Would you be willing to talk to my pastor? Would you be willing to talk to my grandfather? If he says, I'm my own man, I don't need them telling me what to do. You are in trouble in the beginning. When she asked me to meet whoever, I was like, okay, fine. I didn't have anything to hide. A man that won't meet your father, a man that won't meet your uncle or your grandfather, a man that will not meet your pastor is hiding something. He does not want to meet the individual he may have to face if he mistreats you. I can't remember who shared this with me recently, and it was so good. I heard it. I think I heard it on social media. And this young man was dating this young lady, and she uh, took him. He, he wanted to marry her, and he went met the father, and the father approved of it. And then he told the guy, he said, now look, marriages don't always work out. I'm asking you to do one thing. When you marry my daughter, if it doesn't work out, I want you to return her in the same shape that you took her. And he, he said he said it made such an impression upon him about the honor of you taking another man's daughter and then mistreating her. You're taking another man's daughter and you leave her and you're OK with her having to struggle with the kids. You're OK with that. And, and the Bible says a man that won't take care of his family is worse than an infidel. That's crazy. And there's some people. So that's what it means to be saved, but not have a fear of God. When I stand before God, I have to answer regardless of if she gets on my nerves or not. I have to answer about how I treated her because I don't have a watch this. I don't have a right to change my character because she's getting on my nerves. That's right. And likewise, whatever, Lauren, I'm going to stop <laughs> messing me up. Y'all understand what I'm saying? The Bible tells you what to do when people are acting right, and it tells you what to do when people are acting wrong. And most Christians don't obey the word when they perceive something has gone wrong. What they do is they murmur, they complain, they gossip, they lie, they inflame, they keep going. They, they don't do the work. I'm blown away. I'm not interested in somebody telling me that they're a Christian. I'm interested in your walk with God when it comes to character. And usually this is the telltale sign. People that know how to keep their mouth closed. Let me tell you something. I hold things that you will never know until we get to the other side because God trusts me. I have the ability to sit in a room with people and hear information and then don't go tell it. Most people don't have that ability. So talking is important when you're in that process of discovery. This person will be great for you in the future. Talking yes. is very important. Number three. Got two more to go. Number three and four. It's not five. Y'all ready? He must have passion for you and not just love. The phrase I love you has been so abused today. Anyone says it. You can be walking down the street. I love you. Hey, I love you. Wonderful. Who are you? No, you love your idea of me. I understand. Any man with no passion for his wife will usually become unfaithful. 
you are going to automatically love someone that you spend time with. I've given the example. It doesn't matter if you have two police officers and one is Arab and one is Jewish. They will become blood brothers. And if one gets shot, the other one will cry like it was his blood brother. Because anytime you spend time with people, you're going to start loving them. Okay. Um, but it doesn't mean you have passion for them. Okay. And so some people have passion for you up until the day they marry you. Some people have passion for you up until the day you have the second child. Some people have passion for you up until the day when 10 years go by. So you really need to ask God a lot of questions and seek wisdom and authority in the beginning because the Holy Spirit wants to get you with someone that's going to be with you to the end. You understand what I'm saying? So he must have passion for you. He buys things. Hold on just a second. Oh, this is very important. Because this is what ladies get caught up in. Well, he buys things for me. He takes me out. Yeah, because that's what's comfortable for him. Passion is when a guy will do something that he's uncomfortable doing for you. There are a lot of men, they are uncomfortable buying their wife's flowers. They're uncomfortable getting her a card. This may sound strange, but there are some men that they, let me rephrase this. There are some husbands, they love their wives, but it just makes them feel funny to say, I love you. See, the with passion, see, when somebody is passionate, they'll jump off of a bridge for you. You know what I'm saying? You see these little movies and, and on the first date. What was that movie where um, where the aliens had come and the guy, he uh, he was, it was on the water. Um, and it was a military battleship. <laughs> battleship. It was that movie. You remember that opening scene? He met the girl in the bar and he was trying to get her attention. And, and she wanted... They had run out of some type of little chicken sandwich. And and long story short, by the end of it, the man then broke into a store and being he was arrested by the police because he was trying to get the girl chicken sandwich. But at the end of the movie, that impressed the father. You actually did something crazy like that? Yes, because it told the father, you have passion for my daughter. What is he willing to do for you? And what is he willing to stop for you? I got that. Ooh, wee. So would you say that passion is going, willing to go the extra mile, willing to do things that maybe he doesn't, that brings him out of his own personal comfort zone because of his care for yes. her and love for her? Yes. I have here, passion enables a man to do things for you that are uncomfortable to him. Are you marrying a man or a friend? Because the Bible says a friend is what will stick closer than a brother. Passion is not hanging out, <laughs> hanging on to each other all over. I was at the gym one time, y'all. I was at, what's the little corny gym that's for uh, um, Planet Fitness? Planet Fitness. I, it's, it's a wimpy gym. Serving pizza at the end of the workout. I did not come here for free pizza. Do y'all got anything that can get rid of these pounds? But this couple came in and she was, I guess it was her dad or his dad. And I mean, they just walked into the gym together. And I said, yeah, y'all just met each other yesterday. They just walked into the gym just like this and everything. And, and they was just holding hands all over the place. And, and oh, that's wonderful. I said, uh-huh, y'all just met each other. And and, and I, was just, I was just laughing like, oh, that's that's really cool. And they was just going, they, everywhere they went, just walking to the gym. And, and, and then I left, went to the restroom, came back. They're on the treadmill. He's on his treadmill. She was on her treadmill just walking together. Just, I don't want to say, ah, that's the, the reason you go to the gym. That's not passion. I don't know what that is, but it's not passion. Passion is the depth of resolve within you that through that woman you have gotten satisfaction and fulfillment where you have no need for another woman. 
This is the one. Y'all got me. So in other words, women, you need to make yourself irresistible. You need to make yourself irresistible. So he will keep chasing after you even when you're 90. But guess what? Man, you have to pray that the Lord keeps that fire burning on the inside of you spiritually. Because guess what? Um, your wife is the only thing in planet Earth that you're not allowed to trade in for a better model. And we're used to that. How many of you know? You, you buy new clothes. You get another house. You get another apartment. You get another hairdo. You get another car. Did I already say car? Y'all got my point. You trade in your television. You know, today you had Comcast. Tomorrow you have Xfinity. So you're in this pattern of tra- getting a new cell phone. Everything in your life is a trade in. You even have operations on yourself. I need to leave that alone. You understand? You understand? You understand? You understand what I'm saying? Say, and so now that mindset will cause you. You know what? I don't like my wife anymore. I think I'm gonna trade her in. Y'all got me? Proverbs 31:29. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. A man you are dating that does not feel that about you is dangerous. Okay, and guess what is the best way for him to feel? Let me tell you something. He needs to feel that way about you without sex. He needs to feel like he wants to marry you without sex. You know, because there's this philosophy and this mindset in the world where you got to test it out. No, you're not supposed to test it out. This is not a used car dealership where they let you drive the car for a couple of hours to determine if you want to buy it. (sighs) You read this scripture. Did you want to say something about this scripture? Yeah, I was just mentioning here that the man that you're dating, if if, if he doesn't feel this way about you, if he doesn't feel that you are a virtuous and capable woman and that you don't surpass them all. See, when a man is ready to get married to a woman, it's because that woman in his eyes has surpassed them all in his mind. Okay. And so don't don't marry a guy that you gotta convince. I you know, where watch this question like this. Where are we going in the relationship? You don't have to tell that to a guy when he really wants you. I'm gonna let you pray about it for six months and see if I'm no, the one. No, I never prayed about my wife. Ever. <laughs> And women get appalled when I have the men. I'm going to do it again for all the ladies here. Okay. Men, keep your hand up because I'm going to go long and then come back down. Raise your hand, whether you divorced, single, date, never mind. Raise your hand if the woman that you married, you knew she was the one at three months. I'm not sure I understand. I didn't ask you, Sarah. That sounds like something in a relationship, doesn't it? <laughs> Female voice and everything. That was silly. Uh, I don't know why this girl had to interrupt me one time in every sermon. I'm not, I understand that you may have done it in a short amount of time, but you know it was three months. Raise your hand if it was three months. Raise them high. The lady's not going to cut your head off. Keep it up if it was two months. Keep it up if it was one month. I still got hands up. Keep it up if it was three weeks. Keep it up if it was two weeks. Now, you know what? This is kind of deceptive because a man will know without knowing. So I didn't know she was my wife, but I did the first time that I saw her. The point that I'm making is none of those brothers that mentioned raised their hand. They weren't seeking the face of the Lord for five hours and five weeks and going off to a mountain. So when you tell a man, you need, I know one girl, she told a man, uh, you need to take a couple months to pray about this. A couple months? He knows. 
No, that means he doesn't want you. And you have to face the fact that just because one man doesn't want you, look, one man can reject you and there might be 10 million that won't. But but we, we no one likes rejection. No one. That's why you can't be a pastor if you have a problem with rejection. You can't be in it because you never go far in ministry if you can't deal with rejection because people reject you for different ways. But the point that I'm making is. Um. What was I saying? I'm sorry. Let's go on to the next point. Well, let me just jump in on rejection really quick. Oh, there it is. Go ahead. Just jump on rejection. I believe we need to reframe the way we take a look at rejection. Yes. Mm. Because that person, may you may not be that person's cup of tea. That person may not want you or see a future with you. It doesn't mean that you're bad or that you're not good enough or that you're not worthy. It just means he has a different preference. And likewise, the man could be everything on your list, but there's one thing that's really, really important to you that he does not have. It's okay for you to say, you know what? You're a good brother, but I don't think we should continue. It doesn't mean the guy is trash. It doesn't mean he's unworthy. It just simply means you have a preference, and that was that was the case for me. And that was a difficult season to walk through, not for myself, but for that individual, because he just couldn't understand. Like, well, why not? Why not me? Why not me? Why not me? Because there are certain things that I need. There are certain things that I need. I have to have these things. These are not negotiable. I need these things, and I've given you time to work on them. I've given you time. I need these things. And so I just walked, and fortunately, I, I found I found. He found me, I should say. I didn't find him. He found me. But um, you don't have to settle. You don't have to settle for something that you don't want for the sake of having someone. Yes, unless you're thirsty or needy like that. Whatever you reject, you get the opposite. Be careful. And let me tell you something. Again, maybe you yourself are on a level two. And the Lord doesn't want you to date because he wants to bring you up to level seven. You're going to attract the level that you're on. Always remember that. So you just got saved yesterday and you want to be married tomorrow. The Lord's like, mm-mm. I got to bring you the type of man that just got saved too. And sometimes that does happen. It's just that you are allowed to have the level that you're on. That's why you should work on yourself, work on yourself. I put this as a note. This is for the ladies. There are four types of men that are dangerous to marry. If you're not going to be that stellar woman, consider. Number one is a man of God. Number two, high profile businessman. Number three, politician. Number four, a lecturer teacher, college, different things like that. Those four classes of men are always exposed to women. Another way of saying it is they're exposed to options. We all, we always, you know, my wife has to, you know, she, she's the same thing with her with men, but there has to be a high trust with my wife because I'm always talking to ladies every single day, married and single. Now I'll talk to you all day on the phone, but when it comes to counseling, I will generally counsel a single woman by myself one time with the door open. And after that, so here's a hint. This has happened to me, particularly when I did counseling in another church. Here's a hint where I have to stop the counseling is when she says in the counseling, you know, I just want a man like you. Yep. Well, it's time for us to end this. Let's go ahead and we'll reschedule this for another family. Because what that's what people do is they, they set their sights on. Watch this. I'm going to use myself as an example. You see me preach. You see my family. You see my wife. Watch this. You see me interacting with her up front. But the question is, do I interact with her that way at home? So you see me, <laughs> you see me in a really, really good light. And then you say, oh, man, I'd like to have a man like that. Are you sure? You don't know this man. 
No, I am that type of man. I am he that type is. of man. I mean, what you see is what you get. But I'm just yeah. saying, you don't know this man. You don't. you don't know him. Yeah, so a guy that has money, well, he might take his money and run on you. With a guy that doesn't have that much money, he might get three jobs to make sure you don't have to go out there in the street. That's right. That's right. You have to be very, very careful. The other thing, and this is difficult, particularly if you believe you have a calling on your life, you got to be very tight. Because who you marry, you don't know what they might be called to do. When my wife interviewed me and says, what are your future goals? I said, simple. I'm going to be an usher and I work for the city of Detroit Water and Sewage Department. That's what I'm going to do. I had no idea the guy was calling me to do all this craziness that I'm doing now. And I was going to be very faithful to that. So she had to make a determination. Well, am I cool with that if that doesn't change? That's difficult. It's, I'm just being honest with you. It is. So guess what? If ladies, if you have, if you be- if you believe you're called to do something great, when you're dating this guy, you got to find out is he cool right. with you being that type of woman? Because some men they can't handle their wives being great like that, like Joyce Myers and people like that, where you know he's more in the background, where they can't handle that. Oh, trust me, you'll be able to tell in the dating relationship if you keep sex out the picture. Y'all got me. Yeah, some men, there's just some men because of their own brokenness and their issues. They don't want their women to shine. They just can't. They just can't handle it. their their ego can't handle it. So I was very upfront. I am called to the ministry. I don't know specifically in what area or when this is all going to take place, but I am called to the ministry. Are you cool with that? Yeah. And he had to say, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm great with that. And I had to say, OK, when he says I'm going to be an usher, I'm going to work for the city. I'm going to have a nice life with a nice wife, and a nice little house. Okay, Lord, what have you called this man to do? And that's what I did. I mean, I heard what he said. I liked him. He was a great guy, nice character, all that. I went to the Lord once again. Lord, what have you called this man to do? And and when it comes to business and ministry, ladies, you need to be thinking about what happens if this Christian man comes up with an idea that the Holy Spirit said to move to another state. Man, let me tell you something. Bishop Oedipo, he told his wife, I follow Jesus, no one else. So at any given moment, Jesus could have me in Russia, America, and the Arab nation. He could have me on the backside of the desert someplace. The question is, before you marry me, you have to ask, are you willing to follow me to the ends of the earth as I obey my king? She said, yes. He said, then sign this document. <laughs> Do y'all hear that? Had her sign Made a her covenant sign agreement. Made her sign a covenant agreement. Today, he's trying to control me already. No, he's trying to make sure that you're going to be by his side so that when trouble comes, he can show you. You remember what you promised me. Things are tight now. Stick in there with me. The richest man in Australia. He asked his wife, just stick by me. He went three. He went bankrupt three times in real estate. He said there were times we didn't have milk for the kids or shoes. He said, I just need you to stick with me. I'm trying to work on something. Now he's the richest man in Australia after going bankrupt. He said now, he said at one time she didn't have shoes. He said now, he said she wears jewelry that's so heavy, she walk around like she got a back problem all the time. <laughs> Name is Peter Daniels. That is a no-nonsense guy. Look, look him up, Peter Daniels. That guy is no-nonsense. Let me tell you something, side note, because we only got one point in the short. I sat in a meeting with him one time. Because when he, when he comes to a church, he said, I only come one time. And I come the first time free. I will not return. Because I'm going to give you all of the information. I'm not going to come back and give you an addendum and a side note. I gave you the information. Do it or die. That's his, The dude is ruthless. Most compassionate man, but he's ruthless when it comes to business. I sat there in a meeting, and, and 
And this is the type of answers that he gave. It was a, uh, it was a lady that came down front. She said, sir, I have a new business with a product to sell. And I was hoping, you know, that you could give me some pointers. He said, is that your son with you? She said, yes. He said, okay, here's a pointer. I kidnap your son and he dies in a month unless you can get a certain amount of sales. She said, thank you. And she sat down. People were like, <gasps> he said, no, he said, that's the energy. He said that all of you have. He said, now you could do it under a threat. Do it without the threat and you'll be a millionaire in a month. It's the, and so these are the men that I was raised up under. Okay. And I, I never, he's ruthless. There's one black girl came down. He said, uh, yes. She says, I just wanted some pointers. He said, she said, because I just want to touch Africa. He looked at the audience. He said, see, this is the type of stupid stuff that Christians say. I was like, ooh, yeah, that's going to hurt. He said, watch this. Now, he's an Australian man. He said, let me ask you something. He said, do you know how many tribes are in Africa? She said, no. He said, I do. He said, do you know about the different factions? She said, no. He said, I do. He said, do you know the difference between an Ethiopian and a Nigerian? No, I do. He said, Africa will be a basket case for a certain amount of years before it turns around. Have a seat. He asked her, do you have a budget? No. Then where are you going? Uh, he's very ruthless. And he said, he said, he told his doctor, if they ever successfully learn how to do brain transplants and mine goes south, give me a Christian's brain because it's never been used. <laughs> but y'all, you got to hang around people like that to show you. You're stuck. You're stuck. It's laziness. Last one, since we're on that topic, is don't get with a man who does not understand responsibility. You need to be with a man who understands responsibility. He is aware of the cost dimension of life. What I mean by the cost dimension of life, um, he knows that you can't cheat on your taxes and expect things to roll out. Um, who are these strange men at the door with black coats on? And he runs out the back door. Because he knows it's the tax man and the FBI man and the CIA man. And, and oh, he can't he doesn't run from responsibility. Listen to these quotes on responsibility, because many men are irresponsible. Men who do things without being told draw the most wages. Oh, these are graphics, right? The next one. When you think everything is someone else's fault, you will suffer a lot in life. When you learn that everything springs from you, you will have more peace and joy. When you complain, you make yourself a victim. Leave the situation, change the situation, or accept it. All else is madness. I don't like people to just complain. No, either leave the situation or change the situation. Make a decision. I don't stay in situations I can't change. Next graphic. It is only when you take responsibility for your life that you discover how powerful you truly are. This next one is a quote by Theodore Roosevelt. If you could kick the person in the pants responsible for most of your trouble, you wouldn't sit for a month. See, that's why I liked them presidents from like the 1900s. And, and the military, those are no nonsense guys. These dudes had to fight in World War One and World War Two. They couldn't make excuses. They had to follow commands that they didn't want to obey. Those quotes from those guys that just overcame insurmountable odds, the quotes from them guys are classic. 
graphic. We are not only responsible for what we do, but we are also held responsible for what we do not do. That's going to hit a lot of people in the afterlife. You wouldn't forgive. You wouldn't stop complaining. You are never responsible for the actions of others. You are only responsible for yours. Don't respond how other people respond. Respond the right way. Until you accept responsibility for your life, someone else will run it. It's a good last one. Actually, the Holy Spirit gave me this one. Rarely will you find an irresponsible man that is happy with who he is. And if he is not happy with himself, he cannot love his wife correctly. Because the Bible commands a man to love his wife as he loves himself. Irresponsible men, stuff just keeps going around the same. So they become very unhappy with themselves. And a man can't love his wife differently than he loves himself. Y'all got me. And there's a difference between a man who is irresponsible and prideful versus one who is irresponsible but is willing to learn. I was one that had a certain amount of irresponsibility. You know, I was the guru paying all my bills with money orders. <laughs> well, you were still paying your bills. Yeah, that's so true. So it was still just true. lack of knowledge on his part. I'm like, when we met, I mean, I, I was I had a single mother, so I was taught a lot of things very early. I was very independent. I had a car at 16, a job at 16. I had to get out there and do some things because she couldn't do them for me, right? So when we met, and he was paying bills with money, I was like, you don't have a bank account? And I didn't say, oh, my God, oh, my God, that is so dumb. You don't have a checking account? No, I didn't do that. I said, oh, you don't have a checking account? He says, no, I, I pay my bills with money. I was like, you should just open an account, and this way you can write checks. And I showed him how to write checks. I didn't make him feel bad for the knowledge he did not have. And it's just too many of us out here ridiculing and emasculating men because of what they don't know. You don't know why they don't know it. Maybe yeah. they didn't have a dad in the home to teach them those things. Maybe they didn't have a dad to help cultivate that leadership on the inside of him. Maybe he had a mother who was very domineering and she made him feel bad. So you don't know why he's in the state that he's in. So if he's a friend of yours or a brother in Christ, we're supposed to build up, not tear down, right? Build up, not tear down. So I wouldn't say you were irresponsible because you were paying your bills. It was just a better way to do it. Maybe that's how I look at a it A more now. efficient way to do it. Actually, she doesn't know this. I don't think she knows this because I said something last Sunday that I thought she didn't know and she did. <laughs> I didn't know she knew that. I'm like, God, I know everything. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, I was dating a young lady and I was like, well, maybe she might be the one. And, um, ooh, I can't stand when you have to sneeze. Excuse me. Excuse me. Thank you. And uh, just kind of thinking and praying about that and. I was dealing with something bad one time, and I wasn't feeling the greatest, so she, I called her on the phone. We were talking, so I was telling her about what I was going through. The girl interrupted me. I don't even remember what she said. It was something along the lines of, I am not trying to hear anything like that. That's your problem to deal with. And she was saying it like with an attitude, like she would have been my wife for 30 years. Nobody trying to hear all, I mean, she was, I was in total disbelief to this day. She has no idea why I never called her back. That was a, that was a sign right there. 
we haven't been dating for two months and you're talking to me this way. See, I got I got great vision and I pictured myself, you know, eating dinner and. So, ladies, let's consider something for just a moment as we close. Let's consider something. You have a desire to get married. Not everybody, but some of you have a desire to have someone special, someone to call you their boo and be spe- you special and buy you gifts and go out and have meals together and spend time together. But perhaps the reason why you don't have that special someone is because the way you treat someone else's husband. Food for thought. The way you treat your pastor. Not to his face, but behind his back. Or perhaps to his face. The way you treat your brothers in Christ. The way you talk to your father. The way you talk to the men on your job. The way you talk to strangers. I mean, we, we're always in search of, well, why am I not married? What, what is the problem? What's going on? Why don't I have someone? And if you reject truth, then it won't come to you. The reason won't come to you. I don't have all the answers. But there are situations where the Lord will withhold from you. If you are not willing to adjust yourself, to speak kindly, to speak positively, to speak life, you're always negative. You're always complaining, always negative. You're always complaining. No man wants to deal with that. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with the negativity and the complaining. So you're a man and you want to complain, I'm not going to deal with you. You're a woman and you complain, I'm not going to deal with the negativity. I just won't. I don't want to hear this stuff in my sphere, in my spirit, in my ears. I don't want to hear it. But if you are a woman that does not know how to talk to men, not know how to interact with men, maybe you weren't taught. Maybe you weren't taught. But there is information out here for you that could be the reason why that person is being withheld from you because the Lord is not going to send you his dear son for you to misuse him and abuse him and talk to him like he's trash. He did not call the man in your life so you can be his mama. He has one mother. He doesn't need he does not need you telling him, oh, turn left here, park here, turn right. Why you ain't do what I see? Here, do, do this, do that. He does not need a nag. He needs a helper. He needs someone that's called alongside him to help him in this life, not someone to nag him to death. So these are questions you must ask yourself. Could this be the reason? Is there something in this area that I need to work on? Do I have just too much mouth, too much sass, too much sarcasm? Could that be the reason? In my heart, do I respect him? Or on the outside, I pretend like I respect him, but in my heart, I have no respect for him. And that's why I talk to him the way that I do. I have no respect for him. Food for thought. Things to consider. The Bible says to examine your own heart. Consider your own ways. Everything is not difficult if you ask yourself these questions. You want to jump in? I was just, I was giving, you know, it's a trip when your wife ministers, you're not even doing it and you convicted. You know, I'm just sitting there like, man, this is, I mean, it's, the thing I wrote down here was about David's wife, you know. You know, we're not saying we have all of the answers. We're trying to give you some more to consider. It's a, it can be a mysterious thing why people don't get married. I don't understand all of that. We're just letting you know about some reasons why some people don't get married. It's not. It may not be the reason for you, but it's something for you to consider. You understand what I'm saying? Because based on what she just said, y'all remember David's wife? 
you know, when he was coming, he was so happy about the presence of God that he was just dancing. He said he danced out of his clothes. I mean, you know, that's a real dance. You dance out of your clothes. He was just dancing. He was just dancing. But it says that his wife despised him. And she tried to turn it into something else. Oh, you're just trying to dance in front of those pretty girls and you're making a fool of yourself. And David was like, what? He said, I'm rejoicing because of the ark. He said, but since you want to talk about me, he said, no, nah, I'm, I'm really about to act a fool. That's what he said. He said, I'm really getting ready to dance foolishness. And it said because his wife despised him, God closed her womb. And she never had children. And back then, having children was the greatest honor. Since you are trying to take the honor away from me because of the reason, the way that your husband praises God, I'm going to take the honor away from you and you won't have children. And you think that that's cruel, but y'all, God does not like when we act ugly. As my, you ever heard that? He doesn't like ugly, but he's not too happy about cute either. <laughs> but but y'all, there are reasons. The Bible says that there was a great famine in the land. It says David sought the Lord. Why is this famine here? He said because Saul killed some innocent people. How do you trace innocent blood being shared to the whole land is in an economic recession? So there are things that happen in our lives and they could be coming from another generation. You, you remember the gentleman that she told you that had the car accident over the cliff? Okay. What's very interesting is what was the, wasn't that the way his dad Yeah, it was his died. His dad died the same way on the same date. So his dad, see, see, you don't know what, what is the enemy trying to kill in that generation? What is he trying to hide you from? You see, and so the church is the body of Christ. We we can't even get coming together correctly. We can't even embrace what Jesus told all of us to have the ability to do. All of us are supposed to be able to prophesy. All of us are supposed to be able to cast out demons. All of us are supposed to be able to heal the sick. The body of Christ can't even get that right. So how in the world are you going to tap into deeper, mysterious things that you're supposed to understand like Jesus? Because it didn't matter how deep it was and it was untraceable. When David asked God a question, he gave them the answer. He said, you can't trace it, but this is where it's coming from. And there are things you got to get in front of God for a season and you got to write them down. As my dad taught me, no, God will never. A man will is not entitled to an answer if he does not ask the question. And you got to write all of these things down that you're upset about in life and haven't happened. And you just got to get before God. If he doesn't answer immediately, Bible says, keep on asking. And Father, I thank you for showing me what's wrong. Why is it that I want this and I haven't had it let? And that might come from your grandmother who put a curse on you. Or it might be you come to me and ask me the question and I say, you're just too aggressive. Mm. Don't then quit back and say, I'm not aggressive. I'm just passionate. No, you're aggressive. Yeah. No man wants to deal with all that, all that attitude and all that aggression. I was talking to my brother one day and we were talking about an individual and I got all, you know, inflamed. And he said, whoa, 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 baby girl, calm down all that aggression. <laughs> and I paused for a second. And I said, you're right. I'm sorry. I was getting upset because of X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. But you are right. I apologize. And then we picked the conversation back up about the individual he was speaking of. So don't give the excuse that you are just passionate. No, you are aggressive. Calm all that down. 
Be aggressive on your job. I like the word assertive. I don't even like aggressive. Be assertive on your job. Be, I'm an assertive woman. I am not a doormat. I'm a submitted woman. I'm not a doormat. I'm a strong, meek woman. I'm not a doormat. Get Reframe your thinking of what submission is, what meekness is, what a meek and quiet spirit is. It's not personality. It speaks to your heart and who you are as a woman. Oh, Jesus. It speaks to your heart and who you are as a woman. You can be assertive. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. And he's okay with that. He loves that, but not aggression. I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what. This is how it's supposed to be. No, it's not. If you are a woman who cannot submit, then you should not be getting married. You should first. Hold on. I know you're ready to speak. Hold on. Oh, no, I'm not going to interrupt you. I know you want to be married. But first, we have to learn how to submit to our Heavenly Father because he's the first one who's going to tell you what to do. Stop doing this. Start doing that. Stop doing this. Start doing that. I don't care if you don't like it, but Daddy, my, I don't care about your feelings. Stop doing this. Stop saying this. Don't go there. No, you, that can't, person can't be your friend. He's telling you what to do and not do. So first, your submission has to come with your relationship with God. And it should be an easy transition with a husband if you are hooked up with the right one. If you are dating someone you can't submit to, then he's not the one. You need to move on. Because you're going to get married and drive that man crazy. Men have feelings too. Just because they don't cry in front of you doesn't mean you didn't hurt them. A man will disconnect from you because you hurt him. You keep on jabbing, 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 and he won't fight with you. He'll just withdraw. He'll just stop talking to you. And you wonder, why won't he be close to me? I feel so disconnected, and I want to be close. It's Valentine's Day coming up, and he, don't, he hasn't said anything about taking me out. I mean, our anniversary is coming up. Why? Why is he disconnected? You don't blame the man. You go ask the Lord, why is he not close to me? Why are we not close? Because you're blaming him. It's him. It's him. No, maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. Maybe you are the issue. But if you don't want to hear the truth about yourself because they're hurt so bad, then by default, you'll get a lie. You will get deception. You will get deception and you will never get this area of yourself and your heart right. And then when he leaves, you don't understand and you're left in shambles because you would not embrace the truth of what the Holy Spirit was trying to communicate with you. Hmm. And if you ask your husband, he will also tell you the truth. Do I look good in these jeans? What you think about what you look in those jeans? What you think? Well, I look fat in these jeans. Well, I don't need to say anything then, do I? But we don't want that kind of relationship with our husbands. We want our husbands to lie to us and tell us how good we look. Oh well, we think goodness. we look fat. Man, I got these stretch marks. I got this cellulite. But I'm going to wear this bathing suit anyway. Do you think I look good? Do you think you look good? That's what we say when he doesn't want to answer the question. So, ladies, we, keep, we have to stop lying to ourselves. And stop holding the man in a chokehold so he can lie to us. If there are things you are dissatisfied with, don't then want him to come and lie to you about it. If you ask the question, be prepared for the truth. Girl, you need to, and I'll help you. That's what he did with me. You need to, and I will help you. I'll do the dishes. I will take care of the kids. Get to the gym. I'm going. Dropping me off right after I had the baby. We're going right from the hospital. I'm going right to the gym. <laughs> you know, like stream. I'm being facetious. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll share these last two statements and then we're done. Single ladies. Um, 
your training with your heavenly father as a single woman is this is training for how to be submissive to your husband because God is not going to tell you single woman everything you want to hear. He's going to tell you some things that you got to work on just when you read the word that he wrote for you to read. The Bible is actually God's love. The Bible is God's judgment to the center center and his love letter to his children. And I, I love you. So I need you to adjust this and adjust this. I'm not going to do that. Well, you're showing me how you're going to treat your husband when he asks you to adjust this and adjust that. We always say Jesus will take you as you are. Yep. But as soon as you say I do, the first thing he does is ask you to change. Amen. And if you can't change for God, you won't change for your husband. And for some women, that's why I'm not going to send you one, because the same way you treat me is how you're going to treat your husband. And this is raw truth, but I'd rather you be offended at me and people change. I'm amazed. Y'all, let me tell you something that's very scary. Some of the people that are most rebellious are the ones that have been saved the longest. These young people just got to come in here in this church now, and, and particularly what we're doing online. I mean, they will change before you ask them to. They so they're in so much darkness. They're like, that's the light. OK, I'm willing to change. It's obvious what I'm doing is not working. Let me give you one classic example, one story, and then we're done. I was listening to this. This was a woman, I believe, in some part of Africa. She was doing a social media thing. And she said, let me tell you what true submission is. She said, let me tell you what true submission is not. She said, I'll use Lorana's example. She said, if I am the husband. And she is at home with the children and she asked me, hey, you know, um, can I spend three hundred dollars on this? You know, I like to go to this particular thing with my girlfriends. Can I go? And he says, no, we don't have enough money for that right now. I really would like for you to go, but you can't go. And she says, OK, she said, that's not really true submission because you don't have the money to go. She said, this is real submission. She says, is that they're a married couple. He, he works a job. She has her own business and she got $50,000 in the bank. And she tells her husband, hey, I want to go on my trip with my girlfriends. It only costs a grand. So, you know, that's pennies to me. But are you OK with my going with me going? And he says, no, I just I wanted to do something else this weekend. So I really wanted you to stay here and help me with something. And then she says, yes, she said, that's a real submission because you had the power to obey, to disobey. You had your own money. It can easily be spent. And but when you when you are in full control and you have to submit your will to someone else, that is raw submission, raw submission. So guess what? When God asks you to do certain things, you're actually in full control. And if you can't if you can't if you can't obey the Holy Spirit when he tells you to do this and what is written, he's knowing you you, got to stay at that level because you're going to the way that you treat God. And guess what? There are a lot of people. I love God. Are you sure that you love him or do you like him? You like his blessings. Yeah. Do you like his blessings? A lot of people, you like the fact that God saved you. You like the fact that God protects you. You like the fact that God has given you something. He gave you a ministry. He gave you a spouse. He gave you a business. He gave you a car. He gave you a house. And so you love him from that point of view, uh, point of view. But raw love is though he slay me. He said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. If you love me, if you if you really love me, like you say you do, you'll do what I said in my word. Was that Job that said that? He said, though he slay me, I'll still trust him. But that's what Jesus definition of love is not you lifting your hands. There's scriptures in the Old Testament where God said, he said, I am so tired of your little praise and worship and your little offerings. 
I just wish you would do what I say. And that's how God, God's definition, God's definition of love is if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. You want to know what God's definition of friendship is? Jesus said, you are my friends if you do whatever I tell you to do. Their definition of everything is different than ours. And because we're living our lives a different way, we're not getting the ultimate blessing that they have because just our mindset as a Christian, when it comes to defining terms, is perverted. And that's why Jesus said, you got to sell out to this. You got to take your cross upon you and you got to learn of me. And he said, here's the qualifying factor for learning from me. I'm meek and lowly. He mentioned nothing about his power. He said, my meekness and my lowliness, how I carry myself in the community is why you should follow me. Not because of miracles, not because of me raising people from the dead, not even because I'm the son of God. Follow me because I am meek and lowly of heart. And that type of leadership has become almost completely extinct. Y'all follow me? How I many you know this is fruits and vegetables right here? And I know that there are no restaurants when you live here to say vegetables are us. You're going to pass Krispy Kreme donuts and Jamaican food and, and, and Bobby's burgers. And, and you know what I'm saying? We love those type of spots. But the truth be told, it's the very thing that you don't want to eat that would make you the most healthy. But we don't like that because of how it tastes. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, so. All right, let's go ahead and stand.